The first reading is Psalm 126 and can be found on page 623 of the Church Bibles. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. This is the word of the Lord. If you're comfortable to do so, then please stand for the gospel reading as Steve brings it to us. The gospel reading can be found on page 1063 of the Church Bible. It's John chapter 1, verses 6 to 8 and 19 to 28. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John the Baptist denies being the Messiah. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He didn't fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Shall we pray? Lord, as we gather together this morning, may we focus on the one who is coming, and may we rejoice in your nearness. Amen. So, here we are, the third Sunday in Advent. A week tomorrow, it will be Christmas Day. What's the thing you're most looking forward to at Christmas, I wonder? Maybe Christmas dinner? Maybe there's a particular television programme on Christmas Day you're looking forward to? Doctor Who Christmas special or something like that, maybe? Maybe it's the games you play at Christmas? Maybe it's presents? Perhaps you're not looking forward to Christmas at all. 
For some people, it's a very difficult time of year. But for others, it's a time of great joy and excitement. However you feel about Christmas, there's always a lot of stuff going on, isn't there? Lights and decorations up everywhere, Christmas music on the radio, lots of parties, people wearing ridiculous festive clothes, shops and online retailers constantly trying to grab our attention with the latest deals and Christmas treats. And there's usually a big craze, isn't there? The one gift that everyone's buying in that particular year. I'm not really sure what it is this year. I remember a few years ago, it was those magic eye pictures. Does anyone remember those? It's probably quite a few years ago now. If you don't remember them, they were sort of very bright, busy, abstract patterns. But the idea was that they contained a 3D image. And in order to see the image, you had to adjust your focus. You had to somehow look beyond the image rather than at it. I could never do it. I was hopeless at those things. I could never get them to work, but apparently they did. And if you managed to do it, you could see this 3D image. I think life can be a bit like that sometimes. I think Christmas in particular can be a bit like that. Often we're so dazzled by what's in front of our eyes that we can't see beyond it. Often we find it difficult to adjust our focus to see beyond all the tinsel and trimmings, to see the real picture. Sometimes, even when there are signs pointing us in the right direction, we get so distracted by the sign that we fail to follow where it's pointing us. When I was at university, I remember visiting a friend who was living in a room on the top floor of a typical three-storey student house in Sheffield. In this room, there was a big, plain wall that was bare, apart from a sign that said, Fire Exit. Now, I thought this was quite amusing. It was just a plain wall, no doors. So I thought, that's quite funny, good joke. But when I mentioned it to my friend, he said, no, that is the fire exit. The landlord owns both this house and the house next door. And that's a plasterboard wall. So if there's a fire and you're trapped on the top floor, you just kick the wall down and escape through next door. Brilliant. It never occurred to me because all I could see, although I could see the sign, all I could see was this solid wall. I couldn't see past it. So sometimes, even though we see the signs, we can find it difficult to understand them and to see what they're pointing to, even when they're quite clear. And that's what happened with John the Baptist. Now, those first verses we heard, verses 6 to 8 of chapter 1 of John's Gospel, might seem a little bit odd to modern readers. This morning we just read those two verses and then skipped on to verse 19. But if you read verses 1 to 18 through, verses 6 to 8 stand out a little bit. John's Gospel opens with a stunning and powerful statement about who Jesus is. Mark begins his Gospel at the start of Jesus' ministry. Matthew goes back to the birth of Jesus and traces his lineage all the way back to Abraham. Luke goes back to the events that happened before Jesus was born and traces his lineage all the way back to Adam. But John wants us to know that the story of Jesus goes back further still. In the beginning, he proclaims, echoing the opening lines of Genesis and leaving us in no doubt as to the scale of the story he's about to tell. The story of the word 
the story of Jesus. He goes on to tell us that Jesus was with God in the beginning. He was with God, and he was God. And then, John tells us, there was this guy called John the Baptist, and he wasn't. He wasn't God. He was just a guy. He's not really significant at all. But he talked about Jesus, and Jesus is significant. And then John picks up the story of Jesus again. What's that all about? Why does John feel the need, just six verses into a gospel that takes us right back to creation, to clarify that John the Baptist is not the Messiah? Were you at all confused about that at this point? I thought it was fairly clear, didn't you? So what's John on about? Well, to understand, we probably need to understand some of the historical context. Let's go back to the Old Testament. The Old Testament ends with the prophet Malachi proclaiming, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Then nothing for 400 years. The people, as they often did, had lost sight of God. They had convinced themselves, as usual, that it was God who had abandoned them, rather than they who had turned away from God. And they were waiting, waiting for someone to come and turn things around, waiting for a great leader like David, or a great prophet like Elijah, waiting for the one who had been spoken about in scriptures they only half understood, to save them and lead them into glory. And then this man appeared in the wilderness, baptizing people and preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And there was something about him, something different, something of God. And people were drawn to him from all around. They were baptized by him. They listened to him speak and became his disciples. For us, the Christmas story, the story of God's presence among us, begins with a baby lying in a manger. But at the time, very few people took note of that event. Just a few shepherds and some strangers from a faraway land who followed a star and found an infant and his mother at the end of their long journey. For most of God's people, at the time, the first sign in 400 years that God had not lost interest in them was John the Baptist, preaching and baptizing in the desert. And then John the Baptist's cousin, a carpenter's son named Jesus, came to John to be baptized. And he too started preaching the same message as John. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And perhaps some people thought he was just another disciple of John the Baptist. Or maybe even a rival, taking John's message and trying to make it into his own. Whatever they thought about Jesus, John was clearly held in high regard by many. So much so that when Paul and others journeyed to Ephesus in the book of Acts, they found people being baptised in the name of John the Baptist, completely unaware of the, of the teachings of Jesus. So perhaps in this context, we can understand why the gospel writer was keen to emphasize 
who John the Baptist was, or more importantly, who he wasn't. The writer of the Gospel points out that John the Baptist was very clear about who he was, even before Jesus' ministry began. Questioned by the religious leaders, John the Baptist declared quite plainly that he was not the Messiah. Asked if he was Elijah or the prophet, John also said no. This may strike us as quite surprising. Many people identify John the Baptist with that final prophecy from Malachi. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. But he's not Elijah in the sense that the religious leaders meant. He is not the ancient prophet returned from heaven where he had ascended on a chariot of fire, according to scripture. He is the son of Elizabeth and Zechariah, born in the time of King Herod. But surely John is at least a prophet. Well, yes. But the religious leaders asked him if he is the prophet. They have in mind the prophet foretold in Deuteronomy 18. John is very clear. He is not the message. He is merely the messenger. He is not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. He is a sign, pointing towards the one who will come after him. And when Jesus came to John to be baptized, and John recognized Jesus for who he was, John told his own disciples to follow Jesus instead. Good. So that's cleared that up then. All this was just written to clear up some confusion for people who were following John the Baptist instead of Jesus. We never made that mistake. So there's really nothing in this passage for us. Or is there? You see, John was very clearly pointing towards Jesus. But at the time, people were so focused on the sign that they couldn't see beyond it to what the sign was pointing at. John was such an engaging, charismatic preacher that some of his followers became more focused on him than on his message. I wonder if we can be a bit like that at church sometimes. How will we cope if the vicar isn't here? What will we do without our church wardens? How could we possibly worship God without the organist or the musicians? What if there was nobody to put the words up on the screen? All these jobs are important jobs. The people who do them work very hard. And they're a blessing to us. They're doing God's work. But that's the point. It's God's work. And God's work will continue, with or without them. If we focus too much on what good people can do, we're in danger of not paying enough attention to what God can do. We need to look beyond the messengers to make sure we see the message. It can be the same at Christmas. It can be hard to see beyond all the tinsel and baubles, the mince pies and turkey, the shopping and festive songs, the parties and presents. But these are all signs, pointing, like John the Baptist, towards the one who is coming. He is the Messiah, the Word made flesh. In amongst the struggles, the highs and lows, the joys and sorrows, all the realities of our lives, he is coming. He is here. God with us. Amen.